0: This week on the Rotten or Righteous podcast, we make the statement, Seems like all you do preachers spit that fire and brimstone, and me and mine want that feel-good religion. That's why we started attending ye old community church down the street. <laughs> yeah. Welcome back to Rotten & Righteous, the podcast that was found in the woods in upstate New York in 1823. <laughs> With me today as always,
1: It is I, Joseph <laughs> Smith. Joseph Never Smith said. is back.
0: I was going to say you're like a seashell, but uh <laughs> I like your I like your introduction better. It's Luke Taylor. And me, well, I was shot in 1843 in Illinois. I'm Zach Geyler.
1: Hmm.
0: Uh, before we dive into the summary of the 2005 LDS propaganda, I mean LDS-produced film Joseph Smith, a Prophet of the Restoration, I have just for you a very, very personal, stupid news. <laughs> This is f- reporting from the Glasgow Kentucky Police Department <laughs> uh, Facebook page from from Wednesday, June 9th, 2021. On July 9th, 2021, the Glasgow Police Department responded to a complaint on Cleveland Avenue. Officers located Joshua Sexton standing in the parking lot of Spine Stop and determined he was operating a vehicle that was involved in an accident, where his vehicle had struck a parked vehicle and a fence. After further investigation, officers determined that Sexton had a suspended operator's license and was impaired. Joshua X. S. Sexton of Glasgow, Kentucky, was arrested and charged with operating on a suspended or revoked operating license, operating a motor vehicle under influence, of a substance uh, second offense wanton endangerment first degree terroristic threatening third degree and criminal mischief first degree the arrest Did you say was
2: m- terroristic threatening
0: mhm the arrest was made by sergeant nick houch or houchins now i say that's important it's not very funny you know it's not a, a croissant stuck in a tree but uh the park vehicle that was struck yesterday was mine. <laughs> now I'm laughing. I get a phone call at about eleven forty-five. I'm in my office working. Kelsey goes, Hey, how's your day going? I said, Fine. And she said, You ready for it not to be fine? <laughs> I said, I guess. And she goes, Hey, somebody hit our car. I was like, okay, where are you at? And so I get in my car and I drive over to her. And when I get there, there's like three squad cars, two tow trucks, and there's my beautiful brown CRV just demolished in a parking lot. Glass everywhere. And I'm like, okay, this is not good. And so I pull into the parking lot where it's at, and like three officers come over like, uh, we're in the middle of an investigation. I said, yeah, I know, you're investigating my car. Um... And th- when they heard that, the sergeant comes over and he goes, "Man,
2: I got a story for you." <laughs> <laughs> That's good when even the the police are, you know, thinking it's a story because they see all kinds of crap.
0: Okay, so here's it is. There's a blue F one hundred and fifty. The driver, the owner of the blue F one hundred and fifty, picks up his buddy from the hospital. When the buddy gets in the car. A needle is still stuck in his arm from his last fix of meth. They're driving down the road and the meth addict decides that he doesn't want to be friends with the driver anymore. And he takes the needle out of his arm and threatens to stab the driver with it. The driver stops his truck, gets out and runs away. The meth addict chases after the driver for a bit, then says, no, I'm just going to steal this F-150. He gets into the F-150 and just takes off before veering off the road into this parking lot and straight into my car. I. I and when the officer told me that story, I said, yeah, that sounds about right.
2: I <laughs> I wish I could laugh, but it's like, I just... Meth is like a horrible crap. It is, man. ruining like so many lives.
0: And so many cars.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: It's
0: okay. Let's get through this movie. White text on a black screen tells us the historical events... Presented, <laughs> represented in this story, are true, and occur on the American frontier from 1805 to 1845. Oh boy. Well, this is a treat. I was afraid that we were going to leave the fantasy world behind when we finished with Narnia, but I was mistaken. <laughs> I can't wait.
2: What do you mean? These are real things. I can't believe you'd insult the Mormon church.
0: A woman does a voiceover across America B-roll. And, um, and, man, I gotta say, audio quality of this narrator, it's perfect. It's so great. <laughs> so so great that Scott let, let the uh, Latter-day Saints borrow his microphone to record <laughs> <laughs> this narration. And she talks uh, about how her family came over to America with the pilgrims, looking for a better life and religious liberty and the chance to give smallpox to all the natives. And then, two days before Christmas in 1805, a baby is born. A baby... Jesus. ...named Joseph Smith. Oh. And you know, it's- it this makes a lot of sense to me, because I, I can imagine that, you know, when you've got a birthday that close to Christmas... You know, there's not like a a time in the year where you get to be the center of attention for your family. It's kind of just like shoehorned in there while everybody's getting ready for Christmas. Oh, yeah. And so it kind of makes sense that little Joey S. grew up to be a man who really just wanted to be the
2: center of attention. That's true. He probably had a complex from that. He never got any special presents for his birthday. And then he's just like, I'm going to get my own presents and control the world.
1: Mm.
0: The narrator even tells us that there was nothing special about Joe, almost like he was a normal kid. Hmm. But alas he's not. You know I, I feel like they're trying to make a connection between Joseph Smith and Jesus, but Yeah. <laughs> but we get two glimpses Of Jesus' life pre-ministry. The first one, his birth was miraculous, so he's got you beat there, Joe. Uh, The second one was that at age 12, he was able to go into the temple and communicate biblical knowledge with the rabbi, or at least keep up with the conversation.
2: Yeah, but I think I think you're right. I think they were trying to make a connection. They're like, oh, he's just like a little guy born in Nazareth, born on the American frontier to no one special. Then he's going to grow up to be our beloved prophet.
0: Then we learned that Joseph's family life was normal. They worked hard next to all of their slaves that you saw on the screen.
2: <laughs> Wait, I didn't see this.
0: Okay, yeah, there's like three white people and 15 black people in that field working. Really? Yeah, and keep in mind, we're like 1810, 1815. We we know what you're trying to do, movie. Don't like it. I see what you're doing there. And, you know, I feel like if you're trying to whitewash your history, maybe start there.
2: (laughs) Well, I feel...
0: Maybe not hire African American extras to work the field of your 1815 home.
2: Well, they have to. I, I feel like they attempted to whitewash this a little bit later. I was looking into Joseph Smith's position on slavery. We can probably talk about this as we go through, but uh, yeah, he was he supported the slavery. Yeah, for a he while, did. he did. Uh, he did, and the
0: church was way behind even for the civil rights movement. I mean, you know, they there's this scene later on in the movie where all these these black people come in, and they're like, we walked 900 miles to get here. Which, first of all, they they said that, like, they weren't in the 1800s before the invention of the car. Yeah, of course you did. That's how people got around. Um, but the truth is, until
2: 1973,
0: the Mormons would not accept black people into the church.
2: Yeah, so I was reading on that. It was like uh, I apparently they like allow them to be a part of the church, but they couldn't like actually they couldn't be part of the priesthood and they couldn't. And you have to be part of the priesthood if you're going to go to the celestial kingdom, which is like the top tier of heaven. And then they couldn't like get married in the temple or uh, be sealed in the temple or whatnot. So they were like second class. <laughs> Uh, church members.
0: Joseph Smith's own doctrine taught that black people were black because their ancestors sinned. The curse of Cain. Now, Joseph Smith's dad, Papa Smith, was a farmer in the summer and a teacher in the winter. You know, like everyone then. (laughs) But one thing Papa Smith didn't know was how to cut a tree.
2: (laughs) I saw that. <laughs> like, like, like beating it with the side of his axe.
0: Yeah, he he took three good swings of that tree. It didn't leave a notch. And the family's favorite pastime was the good old Mormon game called Tug-A-Winch. <laughs> it's where Joe and his eight brothers and sisters got together, and one brother sat opposite a sister, and they would hold hold hands and try to pull the other one over. The catch was... Apparently, the girl had a second brother seated behind her, yanking on her pigtails. And Mom, that- and Paul would look at this and just laugh. Seriously, what was this scene?
2: Is this what kids did back in uh, 1820?
0: I don't know, but those two actors, that kid was yanking on that hair.
2: Apparently, I don't know. Maybe she was just tough. I, I don't
0: know. I'm baffled. I'm so confused. Why would you put this in there?
2: Kids are so soft these days, they can't have their hair pulled like that. Back in the 1815s, they were they were tough.
0: And a great part about this opening scene is that we keep getting one-shots of everyone in the family, and it looked like a cheesy, uh, <laughs> a cheesy sitcom from the 80s, where everybody looks over their shoulder with just a creepy smile on their face. <laughs> uh-huh. And it's there that we meet Joseph's two older brothers. I will do my best uh, to explain what they are doing, in case you haven't seen this as well as their name, we're told that Alvin was the oldest and a hero in Joseph's eyes. He is a 40-year-old man uh, (laughs) attempting to pretend that he's in his early 20s, and he seems to be trying really hard to choke out a sheep. I mean, he has a (laughs) sheep in a straight-up headlock.
2: Have you ever seen a sheep sheared?
0: Yeah, and it didn't look like that.
2: It was, I've seen a sheep sheared like that before. Listen, that, that, the, sheep, uh,
0: that sheep was tapping out.
2: They were rough around there. I mean, you know, pulling on pigtails and pull a winch. And, <laughs> and trying to do the M- sheep. MMA with just, sheep. <laughs> they are just violent with everything.
0: Now, Hiram was the second oldest. Now, he is a 39-year-old man. Pretending to be in his late teens, smiling like a sociopath, watching his older brother choke out a sheep,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and oh boy, they both see something special in their brother Joseph. In town one day, Joseph overhears the local preacher speaking to his father. The preacher, we're just going to call him Father Mutton Chops. That's a good name. He had spectacular mutton chops. <laughs> he 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 comes up to Joe's father one day, and he's like. Listen Joe, listen Joe Senior, I don't see you around my congregation too much anymore. I would hate to see something happen to you or your beautiful family's salvation. But Joe's dad just goes, I'll tell you why I don't show up anymore. Seems like all you do preachers spit that fire and brimstone. And me and mine want that
2: feel good religion.
0: That's why we started attending ye old community church down the street. <laughs>
2: In our house. <laughs> Joe's father is like, uh, he's a non-institution man.
0: Joe's father is like every single father uh, of the church who doesn't show up, except on like Easter and Christmas time. Yeah. Uh, And when you ask him why, he just goes, Ah, I don't know. Church doesn't offer what I need. Mm -hmm. So one evening, Joseph asks his brother Alvin why he's playing around with those two other chipmunks. (laughs) (laughs) Is that his name, Alvin? Yes, his name is Alvin. Joseph asks his brother Alvin if he wonders what he needs to do to be saved. And Alvin just laughs and tells Joey worries too much. Wow.
2: Alvin hasn't thought about that for one second.
0: (laughs) Alvin is a little agnostic. Um, And then Alvin goes on to say the dumbest thing I think I've heard in, in quite a long while in one of these movies. He goes on to say that people were like seashells. You see, a creature makes a seashell layer by layer until he grows out of it. Maybe God wants us to grow... Our, out of ourselves too. What? What does that mean? <laughs> what? What does
2: that mean? <laughs> I was trying to decipher that. Like, is it like you you grow and grow until you grow out of yourself and you just go to heaven and you burst <laughs> and blood and viscera go everywhere because <laughs> your skin split. I, I was able Yeah, I was unable to decipher this piece of Mormon knowledge.
0: No, I I really wanted it to make sense because, you know, he had an opportunity to give a really good, you know, whatever uh, explanation, but he doesn't. He just says the most ridiculous string of words together, but Joseph, young Joseph, is like, oh, yeah, totally, I get it. We're like (laughs) seashells. Totally understand that. Who wrote that and was like, this will represent the Mormon church in a good way? Uh, Something tells me it was a Mormon. Um, the next day, Joseph goes to the town preacher, Father Muttonchops, and Muttonchops is laying down the truth hammer. Everything Father Muttonchops says is a hundred percent biblically correct. <laughs> but they're
2: like, "This is the evil guy." He's like they, they try to peg him as the evil guy. Like they don't come out and never like say it, but he's like the the traditionalist.
0: I mean, he doesn't get a single thing wrong. <laughs>
2: He basically just quotes the Bible the whole time, and Joseph's like, "Mm, "Yeah, Mm, I don't think so." I'm gonna write my own book. Father
0: Muttonchops, like, listen, there's only one way to get to heaven: read your Bible. Here's a Bible, read it. You'll figure it out. The narrator then tells us that after this moment, Joseph's mind was considerably troubled, which just may be the most truthful statement in this whole movie. while the narrator meant that joseph kept looking for answers no this man is seriously troubled he, he has some sort of psychopathy
2: that needs to be answered i was listening to a guy i can't remember what his name he he ran a podcast called the uh, like the the uh, Naked Mormon podcast. He was an ex Mormon or something like that, and he knew a lot of the history behind this. And he was talking about how you'd be very interested in doing like a character study, like a psychological study on Joseph Smith to figure out like what on earth made him the way he was, which I think would be pretty interesting. Can we stop
0: doing Rotten or Righteous and just start our own anti Mormon podcast? I mean,
2: we that's basically what this has become. So that, that is true. We do <laughs> do a lot run. of Mormon. <laughs> <laughs> but it. It's I have to be- just- it's because they keep giving us so much gold. They're so interesting. Like Joseph Smith's story, like, if you get out of like this stuff and you look at like who he actually was, like, it's very interesting. Just like,
0: I know.
2: He, That's why I'm- he was doing and what he was planning and he he, had, he ran for president i didn't know that until i was watching that thing last night and like what his plans were like long term for the church and and the theocracy he was trying to set up and yeah, the fact just, that uh, they just
0: started their own country without telling america
2: yeah <laughs> and he's like yeah uh, i'm your i'm your new leader
0: no and that's why i keep going back to it it's so rich and so funny it's so entertaining to go through this stuff
2: It's scary how so many people followed him, though. It makes me wonder, like, maybe really all you have to be to get a a following is just be some kind of, like, charismatic person. Yeah. So
0: Joseph's looking for answers for his considerably troubled mind. And uh, he just reads, you know, little Bibles and big Bibles, all different sizes of Bibles. Until one day, while reading the Epistle of James, he reads the verse, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God. And he just stopped reading his Bible and just read this verse for months. (laughs) Until he finally realized that he needs to pray. Joe, my friend, I'm rooting for you, man. I am. Why did it take you months to read, if you lack wisdom, let him ask God
2: to get to the conclusion, you know, I should probably pray? That he should probably ask. And then they made this... Great scene, like the epic moment had come when he had finally worked up the courage to go out in the woods and pray.
0: Yeah, on a beautiful spring day in 1820, Joseph went out for a little private meadow praying. And as he was praying, a creepy camera, a creepy shot of a camera at a low angle with a dark lens filter attacked him. I was like, "Hmm, I wasn't expecting this. I'd never seen this aspect of it. Now, Joseph says that he got attacked by a demon, but Acosted. we know we know it was just a camera. <laughs> <laughs> and Joseph used all the might he had in his heart to call out to God, and boom, the camera guy just ran away. And then he's hit with a light, and he sees two people. It was God and Jesus. He gets caught in a bright light and sees people like 57 times in this movie. This happened to Paul once, and he had terrible vision for the rest of his life. How is it that that Joseph Smith was not blind forever? He should he should have been blind.
2: Glasses had been invented by then.
0: Anyways, Joe's hallucination, I mean, vision, told him not to go to church. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I, that's what it says. It's like... What? Which you know totally sounds like Jesus.
2: (laughs) I uh, I didn't know it was. He claimed he saw Jesus and God. I thought he just saw the angel at this point. I was no, the uh, angel comes later. He just goes immediately up the ladder. He's like, "Yep, Jesus and God came to me."
0: Yeah, he starts at the top and then starts working his way down. It's (laughs) he doesn't he doesn't level up each vision. Yeah, Jesus tells him, Hey, Joe, don't go to church no more. Just wait, because the gospel is about to be restored. Problem with that word restored. In order to restore something, something has to have been finished or completed earlier and then brought back to its original state. Yes. In order for the gospel to be restored, according to the Mormons... The Book of Mormon had to have been part of the gospel in the first century.
2: Well, it's part of the restoration. It's a new addition. It's like restoring your house. You know, sometimes you tack on an extra part.
0: Yeah, and it's called an addition,
2: not a restoration. Well, you restore the whole thing.
0: No, that's not how that word
2: works. You just just add an addition. Right. It's a... It's the overall restoration. Oh,
0: you're talking about an additional restoration. I'm I'm sorry. That's right. That's correct. <laughs> One of those, you know, restored additional.
2: <laughs> Sometimes you need a little uh, extra. To... That's
0: like saying you never believe. It. We just found this brand new play by William Shakespeare, and we restored it by adding an extra chapter at the end. What? <laughs> <laughs> That's not how that um... works.
2: If I was a Mormon apologist, I would say, you know, when you're restoring an old house, you need new wood to patch it up. So you have to bring in some new stuff to make sure that everything's hunky dory. So the Book of Mormon's just kind of like a patch job for the Bible.
0: Right. Except I would argue, yeah, when I'm restoring a new house, I'll bring in wood to replace wood that was there already. It's just because you don't believe in your heart hard enough, Zach.
2: That's why. That's why you don't That's understand
0: true. this. yeah. You, you, you ask have you-
2: God I- <laughs> Have you read the Book of Mormon? Well, you have to read it and then ask God if it's true. And if that you have, was the message that yeah. I took away from this.
0: oh so boy, I'm have to do it. Oh boy. Later on, after this vision, the smartest man in this movie so far, Father Muttonchop. I will say, Father Muttonchop is the smartest man in this movie. Period. Not, <laughs> not so far.
2: Oh, what about that guy with the gun that shot? Um, oh, I he, 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 he.
0: Spoiler alert. <laughs> Cut that out. That's bad. <laughs> so, Muttonchop is talking to Joseph and he's like, listen, Joe, just listen to me, please. There's no such thing as revelation and visions in these days. It ceased with the apostles. Thank you, Muttonchop. 100% correct again. Yeah, Chops is really trying to help Joe. He's like, look, you're you're doing something stupid here. Please stop. But Joe's like, never. I... And uh, as Joe leaves Father Chops, a man with a terrible Irish accent calls out. He's just like, Hey, Joseph, have you had any more visions lately? (laughs) (laughs) And everyone laughs. Oh, boy, this guy is the town comedian. Everyone's laughing. Slaves and honkies alike. They're just laughing and laughing. But Joseph ignores him. Three years later, Joseph prays again and has another vision. Hold on a second, movie. Did you just insinuate that Joseph Smith, the founder of the Mormon religion, did not pray from 1820 to
2: 1823? When Joseph prays, it's special. Doesn't do it every day. <laughs> well, of course not. You can only the look at blind meat. Those visions take a long time. Yes, has to,
0: he has to carve out a period
2: of time before he prays. He has to recover. You know, after you see God. It's not like you can just do it again tomorrow. This time, an angel named Moroni
0: came and and told him to go to his backyard and and dig up some golden plates. And these golden plates, which are secured on a three-ring binder, (coughs) on these plates written in a, a secret language was the fullness of Jesus Christ. It told a story of a time that Jesus took a road trip to ancient North America, Where all the Indians are actually Mexicans and they built big blue pyramids.
2: (laughs) They they said Central America. They were, they class, they look like Central Americans.
0: You know, just like all those big blue pyramids found all over this great nation.
2: Those are back when the Aztecs came, but then all the savage. um, uh, Spaniards came and tore them down because they were looking for gold. To all destroy right. their culture. And I do have something.
0: I do have something written in the hand of a Mormon missionary. All right, this I found this in uh, my my grandfather in law gave me a bunch of books, and in this collection was a Book of Mormon, and in that Book of Mormon was this note card written by missionaries. When he asked, "Where is all the evidence of uh, Jewish Indians?" In America, this is what they said. The Book of Mormon is a history of the people here and Central America and South America. They were great nations. And because uh, they were wicked and they had many wars, all that was left of that great nation was the Indians that Columbus found when he discovered America. I hope you enjoy reading this book. The Bible is the first witness that Jesus is our Lord and Savior and Redeemer. And this is the second witness. I enjoyed talking with you. I can tell you are a good person. A resurrected being. I'm sorry. Thanks for talking to me. Clay and Jeannie Carroll. Mormons, LLC. Um... So the reason why we don't have blue pyramids all over America is because of wars.
2: Uh, there's no, but there's no like archaeological. They like they destroyed it so bad. They mm-hmm. destroyed even all you know, even the foundations can't even be dug up.
0: And can I really we need ab- to read the
2: we Book of Mormon. Talk about the fact that Columbus did not find
0: Native Americans or Indians when he sailed over here because he landed in the Bahamas.
2: Well, that's a minor detail. Joe, if Joe Smith said that he found him, then he found him,
0: right? Just like he, knew, um, just like he knew Hebrew real well. But we'll get to
2: that. I was, <laughs> I, I was watching like one of the elders or whatever apostles of the Mormon Church talking about apologetics, and he was basically making the case that. It was a faith-based religion, and it wasn't an apologetic religion. And so the yeah, lack of evidence really that wasn't s- that big of a deal.
0: That was in that was in murder among the Mormons, where the the leader of the church said that uh, you can try to fight apologetics if you want to, but Jesus don't want, wouldn't want you to waste your time. Just have I faith. Say,
2: yeah, I saw it somewhere else too. It was like, okay, well. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so because
2: there is zero evidence,
0: so yeah, uh, all the big blue pyramids are gone, and uh, the only people that are left are Native Americans because everyone knows that Native Americans are actually Jewish.
2: Why do you say they're Jewish?
0: Because in the Book of Mormon, Joseph Smith said that they were the lost tribe of Israel. Oh, that they built boats and came over here.
2: Interesting.
0: You know, like, all that history tells us that they didn't cross over at the Bering Strait up in Alaska, that natural land bridge. But now nah, they sailed across the, the Atlantic hundreds and hundreds of years before anybody else could. They must have had divine help. All right, of course. God, God gave them a magical motor.
2: Okay. They probably had a big blue boat.
0: Where did they get all the paint for their big blue pyramids?
1: <laughs>
2: Why would you make the pyramids
0: blue? Why? <laughs> why?
2: Well, you know, you don't know what was valued by that ancient Jewish culture. Right? Blue was probably. Oh, I know why. Because the Jews had those blue tassels on their clothes, and mm. so they're like, what color should we paint this? And they're like, blue. And they're like, oh, that makes perfect sense.
0: And you know, so when you look when you look back at they were f- blue.
2: The fact, yeah. that they were blue. Is an apologetic that they were Jewish, uh, dude. You just, star of David.
0: You, you just blew my mind.
2: Yeah. What? Just... What color is the Star of David? Right. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> it's blue. Yeah.
0: Monsters. Monsters. Satanic, and the Star of David's blue. I. <laughs> this is what Jesus did when he went to the land of the free during <laughs> during the visit. Jesus invited the people to feel the wound marks in his hands, feet, and side and he called 12 apostles to teach his gospel and performed miracles. I mean that's just ardent plagiarism. That's it's just taking the gospel story. Joseph Smith was the original Clarence Jordan. Clarence Jordan wrote the Cotton Patch Gospel, but Joseph Smith beat him to it. Cuz he just retold the gospel in America. So what happened to the original 12? Why is it that like, the Why aren't there 24? Right. Here's my biggest question, you know. Why would the Jews, the lost tribe of Israel, come to America and start building pyramids? I don't understand that part, Luke, because ancient Jerusalem was not just filled with pyramids. Well, why Why would they change their architecture crossing the ocean?
2: I suppose when these were the people that got lost when they left egyptian slavery and they ended up walking to the ocean they're like crud this isn't where we're supposed to go so they build a boat they sail to america and they're like well what do we build pyramids but we want to build them building (laughs) yeah they're like all we know how to build is pyramids yeah everyone (laughs) knows the the pyramids were built during the the right uh, slavery in egypt
0: they weren't there thousands of years before And not only that, but the chief architecture was terrible at building pyramids, so he built, like, the step pyramids instead of just the pyramid kind of pyramids.
2: Well, they didn't have that Egyptian alien knowledge. Right. So they just kind of had to go with what they could do. Okay, so. Can't wait till we get assassinated by the Mormons. So
0: so Joseph is, you know, has this vision. He doesn't, but he says he does. And, And... The narrator, who is also his mom, says that Joseph could talk about this as though he was making this story up off the top of his head. Nope. Oops, that's not what the movie said. (laughs) She says that Joseph would talk about this like he spent time with those ancient patriots.
2: That's good, because nobody else did.
0: And then the movie says something brilliant that I will quote verbatim. I think, the mom says, I think we presented the most particular aspect of any family that ever lived upon the earth. All of us giving the most profound attention to a boy 17 years of age who had never read the Bible through in his life. You're right. That is the most particular and stupid thing (laughs) that a family could do. It's listen to their 17 year old who has never
2: studied what he's talking about. Just talk. He went to the Bible for wisdom, found a verse, <laughs> put the Bible, put the Bible down, never read it again. Well, you
0: don't need any other part of the Bible except for that one verse of James, everyone knows that.
2: <laughs> yeah, apparently.
0: Oh, uh, so eventually Joseph was able to translate the golden plates. But until he was given the skill, he needed to wait and prepare. And that preparation would include some of the biggest tests of faith in his life. Hang on a second, movie. Did you just say that Joseph couldn't translate the golden plates right away because he had to wait and prepare? That's called brainstorming. That's called getting an outline. That's called thinking about what you're going to write before you write it.
2: I didn't know that uh, there was a delay.
0: And what is this big test? Alvin dies. That night, mutton chops come over. And, and speaks to Joseph again. And he, and he tells Joe the truth. You need to be baptized to be saved. But Joseph just isn't having it. I mean, he never read the Bible all the way through, so he definitely knows more than this local theologian. Mm-hmm. After all, Alvin, on his deathbed, said two things. Number one, he said, Joseph, you're the oldest now, which he wasn't. That was Hiram, which the movie told us at the beginning, saying the second oldest was Hiram. So why in the world is Alvin telling Joseph that he's the oldest now?
2: Oh, I thought he was telling his brother because he was sitting there. No, he's
0: looking at Joseph. His brother may have been sitting there, but he was looking at Joseph the whole time. And then he tells Joseph, you need to translate those plates. And it were those words and the idea that God would want to save more than a few of us that convinced Joseph to keep on that path the Latter-day Sainthood if he just read his Bible all the way through. (laughs) Then he would have came to that verse that says, God does not wish that many should perish, but all should come to salvation. It's so stupid. And the movie doesn't know how stupid it's being. We should probably quit this podcast and go evangelize to the Mormons. I would love to. In 1835, Joseph met a young woman named Emma Hale. Now, Emma was famous around town for her wig, which seemed to be fashioned from the pelt of a black poodle that she had dunked in a water barrel and slapped on <laughs> her head.
2: <laughs> that was quite a wig. It reminded me of, like, have you ever had that black spaghetti noodle? <laughs> no. It's, like, it's real weird. It's, like, just, like, jet black, and that's what it looked like. It was hanging from her head.
0: It was terrible. But every day, old Poodlehead would, would see young Joe walking down the street wearing his ascot and carrying his pet shovel. She just became smitten. For, like, a third of this movie, he carries around a shovel
2: for no reason.
0: He never digs anything.
2: Yeah, he dug up some gold plates. Oh, I'd be carrying around a shovel, true. Too.
0: He picked up a big rock. And it was in a box of rock underneath. Hmm, Wow. And Joe told old Emma about the plates. And he read to her the only Bible verse he ever read. That one from James. About asking God for wisdom. And it turns out that Emma's infatuation was stronger than her common sense. Because the two get married and Joseph moves in with his (laughs) in-laws. Eventually, Joseph is given permission to translate the gold plates... But Joe's father-in-law ain't having it. He's tired of his daughter and her weird husband living in his house. Until Joe gets a job and stops fussing with that translating nonsense, Papa-in-law wants Joe to get out. But the good news is, Papa-in-law wants Joe to get out, but Mama-in-law comforts simple-minded Emma and tells her that her daddy will change his tune once the baby comes. And sure enough, a child is born to Joseph and Emma, and they name him Alvin. And the kid just immediately dies. Which is really sad. But to Joseph's credit, he didn't name any other kids Alvin after that. (laughs) And this was just the first of many trials Joseph and Emma suffered. Most of the other trials were namely infidelity, but we'll get to that.
2: What? I didn't see that.
0: I know, that's the point. But Joe kept on translating those golden plates... And Joe's buddy, Oliver Caldery begins to help out. Joe would read the quote-unquote translation, and Ollie would write it down. Real quick question. Remember that when Alvin died, Joe was all tore up about the fact that Father M- Chops told him that you needed to be baptized? Uh-huh. So does this movie not understand what irony is because the only passage they show of Joseph uh, translating his Book of Mormon was one that says all men must repent and be baptized in Jesus's name?
2: I didn't see that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know why they like almost criminalize mutton chops for it's, preaching that message when then, the um, Mormon church preaches that message.
0: No, and then they go on to immediately preach that message. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> And then Ollie asks, How to baptize? And Joe <laughs> says And Joe says, I don't know. But don't worry, guys. John the Baptist comes down and gives Joe and Ollie a good old baptism, you know, uh, introduction
2: and the authority to baptize, because that's how that works. Can't read about that stuff in the Bible. You gotta have a yeah, special news You gotta one.
0: have a book of Mormon. You don't get this kind of inside information <laughs> from the Bible. Then, after Joseph and Oliver baptize each other... <laughs> <laughs> and then hug it out. Yeah, they get, <laughs> they get some of the, that good, good baptism and then hug it out. And then Peter, James, and John show up and give Ollie jo- and Joe aposto- our apostolic authority. So that's nice.
2: And he's know, seen like almost everyone. Right. You know, by the time he died, he's like he's like in with all the Bible characters. But the Bible doesn't really matter, so I don't know if he's even read about these people.
0: Right. And did anyone see any of this? No. Nope. Just the word of uh you know, just Joe and Ollie's word against the world. So you're telling me you walked out into a river with just one other dude and you saw a bunch of other dudes, and then you guys dunked each other? Yes, that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> but finally, Joseph finishes the translation, and he gives the golden plates back to Moroni, and publishes the Book of Mormon. And the How narr- convenient is that, yeah, right. And the narrator says, "I've been asked many times if the Book of Mormon is true, and this is my answer. The scripture says, 'Prove all things. Read it and ask God. And when you shall receive these things, I would exert you that ye would ask God.'" the Eternal Father, in the name of Christ, if these things are not true. And if ye shall ask with a sincere heart and real intent, having faith in Christ, he will manifest the truth of it unto you by the power of the Holy Ghost, and by the power of the Holy Ghost ye may know the truth of all things. In other words, you read the Book of Mormon, you pray to God. If God tells you that the Book of Mormon is real, then it's the truth. But if God doesn't, then your faith isn't sincere enough.
2: Yeah, you have to have a sincere heart. I don't know if that means that you just have to be accepting of it. See, I haven't done that, which is probably why I'm not Mormon yet. So I'm going to have to do that probably this week and maybe well, yeah, that's maybe that's, exactly, update.
0: that's exactly what it means. That's exactly what it means. Either God will tell you that this book is real or you're not sincere enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It kind of spits in the face of the verse that says faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Indeed. But when Joe's dad reads the Book of Mormon, oh boy, he was excited. So excited that on April 6th, 1830, he was baptized into the LDS Church. And that was the day it was officially founded. Oh, by the way... They then claimed that the Latter-day Saints Church was the first church, the one established in the first century. Because, you know, you can't go back and read history and find out whether or not that's true or a big lie. Hint, it is a giant, huge fabrication.
2: (laughs) I think they believe that the real church died out, like, soon after the Twelve Apostles died. Because that's, you know, when the Catholic Church started to form and whatnot. And so they're like, oh, well, it died out and it wasn't restored until good old 1820.
0: And then we get an awesome montage of those early days in the church. They took communion together using big old hunks of white bread, just like the early church. <laughs> we're not unleavened. Joe evangelized to a lady literally on the grave of his dead brother. He helped an old lady split some wood. Being a Mormon gave him super strength and a game of tug-a-winch against the strongest fella in town.
2: <laughs> I, I love that. I was like, what are they trying to do here? It's just like, oh, Joseph's just the greatest. He can even, he even has, he's stronger than everyone. He's just like better than everyone else. I was like, what, what is this stupid scene?
0: And he convinced a whole bunch of people to leave town in search of a new promised land. And the Mormon church grew. And new congregations were springing up in Missouri and Ohio. But in the great Buckeye State, Joe and the Mormons got into trouble when they settled in Kirkland, Ohio in 1831. Now, history will tell you that Ohioans in the 1800s were a little less likely to join a cult, not like those pansy northern New Yorkers. So a group of heroes... Gathered around a pot of stew, cooking over a campfire with a plan of running Joe out of the state. And then one night, an angry mob grabs Joe in slow motion, and they tar and feather him. <laughs> I've never been prouder to be an Ohioan than this moment right now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Those
2: are my ancestors out there. I don't think any of my, my ancestors came from Kirkland. I had to look up where that was. Wonder if there's any Mormons there anymore.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
2: Really? Yeah.
0: The next Sunday, Joe didn't learn his lesson, and he preached a sermon on forgiven or forgiveness. And wouldn't you know the leader of that heroic mob heard that sermon? And that got him thinking, seeing the Mormons in a different light. But I'm pretty sure the leader of that mob was a secret New Yorker. So after Joe was plucked and cleaned, Kirkland decided the town decided that Joe was all right and he could stay, which is a pretty good thing, because God told Joe that he wants him to build a temple, just like the one that Jesus taught in when he was in Jerusalem. You know, of all those Mm. times that Jesus was inside the temple teaching? (laughs) You know, one thing is consistent. It's not their doctrine, but the fact that Joseph didn't read the Bible all the way through? Yep, I see it. So all the Mormons get together and start building, but one Mormon was great at building. And Joe recognized his potential. His name was Brigham Young. Brigham Young. Joe and Brigham became close as they built a big building that looked nothing like the temple in Jerusalem.
2: (laughs) Hey, they didn't have the budget for that.
0: (laughs) Well, they're like, God said we need to build a temple just like the one in Jerusalem. But we're not going to build a temple just like the one in Jerusalem. (laughs) And eventually Brigham was anointed to be the or into the office of the high priest, whatever that means.
2: Yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> so he was the keeper of the temple?
0: I guess so. And soon after or soon enough the Kirkland Temple was finished. And oh boy, this building was fancy. It had heavenly Wi-Fi. And it became the connection between heaven and earth. It was not only a symbol that God was with the Mormons, because they couldn't have built a building if he wasn't, but it was also a pathway for his word. Then one night, Joseph claimed he received yet another vision from God. This time, he conveniently saw a way to save his brother Alvin from hell, because apparently he forgot to write that into his book the first time. Mm -hmm. Joe said that God told him, all who die without knowledge of this gospel... Who would have received it will be heirs of the kingdom of God. Great! But then we're told that God came to Kirkland. Ah, that was my favorite country western song. It was a it was an answer to The Devil Went Down to Georgia. It was called God Came to Kirkland
2: kirkland of all places <laughs> you know i was like why would god come to these these little towns but then i was like well guess god came to capernaum and bethlehem and nazareth so i mean Capernaum. guess he could come to kirkland
0: capernaum was you know one of the biggest shipping harbors on the sea of galilee wasn't that small yeah
2: but it wasn't wasn't that wasn't that big either True. nazareth wasn't anything special right so i was like okay well i'm still i'm still a mormon i haven't given up yet
0: mm. Then one night, and then we're told that God came to Kirkland, the temple, and looked around and said, Hey, Joe, this house is pretty sweet. Good job, bud. I'll take it. <laughs> but more <laughs> but more than God showed up at the temple, Moses and Elias and Elijah all popped up for a visit. And the catch? Only Joseph Smith and Brigham Young were there to witness this. And it turns out... Oh.
2: All people who had a uh, financial interest in Mormonism.
0: And it turns out that Joe just keeps getting messages, message after message from God, almost like he was changing their doctrine to suit his particular desire, want, or just anything. Finally, the heroes of Kirkland got smart again, and they decided they really needed to run these Mormons out of town. Surprisingly, God didn't protect his awesome new temple. And Joe decided that everyone needs to get on to or get on the bus to Missouri. Of all places. But in Missouri in eighteen thirty eight, the Mormons were ran out of there too. And I learned something. Missouri in the eighteen thirties don't mess around. No.
2: The governor sent the entire Missouri militia out to deal with the Mormon community. <laughs> one thing i didn't realize is that the mormons actually had their own militia like um so this guy i was listening to this naked mormon podcast or whatever yeah he said that the mormons had a militia of like 3500 people That's, and they like yeah what
0: so these mormons are moving into these communities they are ardently preaching uh polygamy at this point in time and they're armed to the teeth Oh, we were just so innocent. We didn't do anything. We weren't running the morality down in these areas. We just we just were, we're just so picked on. No, you weren't. You were a legitimate threat.
2: They, like, stormed people's houses and, like, surrounded people that threatened, uh, like, Joseph Smith and the judges that were, like, in charge of his court cases and stuff like that. Like, this was not, like, some, like, oh, we're just here to help you... Cut down this tree.
0: Now,
1: don't give
2: me old widow woman. The Mormons of today
0: are the most chill people in the world. That they they do not compare to the original Mormons. True. Yeah. So the entire Missouri militia was sent out to deal with the Mormon community, and eventually Joe and Brigham are not not. Yeah, Joe and Brigham are told that the general of the army wanted to meet. And these two Mormons, who were also morons, rode out. And guess what happened? They're immediately captured and arrested, because of course they were.
2: They're like, oh, he was just a, uh, you know, like, they he was tricked, right? But no, there were warrants out for his arrest, like, all over Missouri, and I believe back in Ohio as well. Mm-hmm. So they had every, every right to arrest him. Right. Now... The
0: narrator of the film tells us that when the Mormons heard the news that Joseph had been betrayed, they were mourning with lamentation and woe. And Luke, I'm telling you, I mean, these people were really sad, bitter, dismal, heartbroken, melancholy, somber, sorrowful, and wistful. See movie? I can use the thesaurus, too! <laughs> the General ordered Joe and Brigham's execution. But luckily, Joe's mom had a revelation of her own. There's just revelations coming out everywhere. Joseph would not be harmed, and in five years, he would hold power over all his enemies, which never actually happened in the movie. So why did they include this? I don't know. Basically, I was like, wait a second. Yeah, I mean, the movie's not even trying to make sense from point A to point B. They're just.
2: Maybe they have some way of saying that he did accomplish that. They just don't explain it here.
0: The general ordered Joe and Brigham's execution. Long story short, the general changed his mind uh, about killing him and instead arrested Joe and his brother Hiram as prisoners of war. And with Joe in shackles, the guards are doing what guards do you know, how all those guards would get together, just brag about killing Mormon women and children. (laughs) I I don't believe that this ever happened. Ever. In the history of the world. The soldiers get together in the 1830s and go, man, I murdered me 45,000 children today. Had a great time. I had a children's shish kebab. It was awesome. (laughs) Then Joe has enough he stands up and he says, Silence! 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 I'm not lying. The movie, he says silence four times in a row. (laughs) (laughs) Ye fiends of the... Or, (laughs) ye fiends of the Infernal Pit. By the way, if there's any band out there struggling to figure out what to name their band,
1: fiends... (laughs)
0: Fiends of the Infernal Pit is the best band name I have ever heard in my entire <laughs> life. I almost <laughs> I almost want to start a band just so I could be called a Fiend of the Infernal Pit. But Job continues, In the name of Jesus Christ I command you to be still. I will not live another minute and hear such language. Cease such talk, or you or I die this instant. Now here's why I don't believe it. All the guards listen to him. If I was one of those guards, I would stand up,
2: shot him right in the head, and be like, ah, I guess it's you. <laughs> I don't understand. Like, I, I, I suppose they consider Joseph Smith to be like a prophet who had God's power, but they like make him out to be like this superhuman. It's dumb. Months pass as Joe and Hiram waste
0: away in prison. And then, after six months, Joe finally has another revelation, and God tells him, My son, peace be unto thy soul. Thine adversity and thine afflictions shall be but a small moment. And then, if thou endure it well, God shall exalt thee on high. And after that, the brothers escape jail, and the Mormons flee to Illinois. In Illinois, they found a town called Called Nauvoo. Nauvoo? Uh, Nauvoo. Nauvoo. And Joseph Smith said, Guys, I named this this town Nauvoo because uh, in Hebrew, it means beautiful place. Now, Luke, uh, you might be interested to know that uh, Joe studied Hebrew for three whole months in Kirkland. For two hours a day. Hmm. So, it shouldn't come as a surprise to you that Navu is not a Hebrew word meaning beautiful place. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. No. The closest word in Hebrew. <laughs> the closest word in Hebrew that means what he said it means is Navun. Which means comely or welcome.
2: Well, maybe he was taking the root word or something. Nope, he wasn't. Apparently the Mormons still think it was legit, because otherwise I can't imagine they would include it. I know. I
0: gotta tell you something, though, buddy. I I went and looked this up to find out whether navu is a real Hebrew word. I had to get to the third page of Google to find something that was not related to the Mormons to find the truth.
2: Wow, I've never even been to the third page of Google.
0: I know, but at, for the first two and a half pages were all Mormon websites explaining what Navu meant. I'm like, I'm not trusting you guys. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, I found myself looking up a bunch of Mormon stuff yesterday, and I was like i was I was looking at like uh people who were critical of the Mormon church. And I was like, well, I guess I shouldn't do this because, you know, if, if someone was going to look up something about what I believe, I wouldn't want them going to all the critics websites. You know, I'd want a good balance between the two. And so right. I, I, had to get on some Mormon websites as well.
0: No. And that's what I try to do too. You know, I, there's website after website trying to defend the fact that Nauvoo really means what Joseph Smith said it means.
2: Uh, huh.
0: and it, it doesn't, it's not the truth. <laughs>
2: Well, they're claiming it, and they ain't letting it go. Their first su- so much they included the scene in their movie. Their first summer in Illinois, God was so sick and tired of Joseph
0: Smith <laughs> that the Mormon community was hit with a plague. <laughs> they didn't give up when this plague came, and within five years, Nauvoo became a thriving community. Then Joseph was like, "Hey guys, I'm pretty smart. I- I'd like more people to hear about my fancy book to religion." So, Joe sends Brigham and another Mormon to bring Joe's story to England, and the movie says so, are putting to rest once and for all the rumor that Mormonism was entirely American. What? If I go over to England and tell the story of Paul Bunyan, that doesn't make it not... that doesn't stop it from being an American folktale. And eh, long story short, Brigham comes back, brings thousands of English immigrants to Nauvoo, and some slaves show up, and again, I really wish that this movie would have talked about their true position on African Americans prior to the eight or 1970s. And then the movie does this weird 10 minute long scene about Joseph teaching a husband that he should cherish his wife. Because the Mormons believed that husbands and wives would be married in heaven. You know, the exact opposite of what Jesus taught in Matthew 22 and verse 30. Also, Joseph Smith himself does the exact opposite of cherish his wife. Luke, if you would indulge me for just a second. His first wife married in 1827, Emma Hale. She's in the movie. What's not in the movie is that in 1833, he married Fanny Alker. Then in 1838, he married Lucinda Morgan Harris and shared her with her original husband, George W. Harris. Oh, is there a problem? Then, in 19- 1841, he married Louisa Bierman. Still married to the first four ladies. We're just adding on. Then, in 1841, Zena Huntington Jacobs shared her with Henry Jacobs. 1841, Presidina Huntington Buell shared her with Norman Buell. Now, Agnes Coolberth, she had an awesome last name, so he didn't share her with nobody. Then we have, in 1942, he had a great year. Because in 1942, he married... Uh, Sylvia Sessions Lyon, Mary Rollins Leitner, Patty Bartlett Sessions, Miranda Johnson Hyde, Elizabeth David Dufresne, Sarah Kingsley Cleveland, Delcina Johnson and and Eliza R. Snow, Sarah Ann Whitney, Martha McBride Knight, Ruth Vose Sayers, and that's it for 1842. Then in 1843, the year prior to his death, he married Ruth Vose Sayer, Flora Ann Woodworth, Emily Dow Partridge, Eliza Maria Partridge, because you had to get those sisters in there, Almera Johnson, Lucy Walker, Sarah Lawrence, Maria Lawrence, Helen Mark Kimball, Hannah Ellis, Elvira Cowles-Holmes, Rhoda Richard, Des Demona Fulmer, Olive Frost, Melissa Lott, Nancy Winchester, she was 14, by the way, and Fanny Young. Is that all? And now we got to
2: respect, but we have to respect our wives, guys. Well, you can respect... More than one wife. No. Sounds to me like maybe this guy was using his religion to satiate his raging sex drive and justify it. I mean, I don't know. That could just be my assumption. He could have been doing it for the good of the women. Maybe they're all widow women who he just needed to take in and love. Okay. 33 wives. He
0: had 33 wives and... Just let's nip your widow comment in the bud, because several of these women were already married, and Joseph oh, went to their wow.
2: husbands and was like, "Hey, I'm going to marry your wife too." <laughs> Hold on, it's going to take me more than a second to think up an. Argument and let's for not this. let's
0: not mention the fact that Helen Mark Kimball. And Nancy Winchester were both 14 years old, which was still considered incredibly young back then. This dude Sorry. was a pedophilic womanizer who used his influence that he had over soft-minded and 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 vulnerable people to sexually abuse 33 women, and then has the gall to say, oh, you should respect your wife.
2: Well, this got dark very quickly. I think the the uh, church's statement on this was that he could have had up to 40 wives because they were, like, pressured to acknowledge it, and uh, they finally came out and admitted it. But again, like, you got, like, this whitewashed character in the church's, like... Uh, approved propaganda kind of stuff. It's like, if you have to, like, intentionally censor your hero because he does things that are terrible, like, why are you following him? Like, the same, I mean, same with a lot of religious figures. Whereas, like, Jesus, it's like, here you go. This is everything we know about Jesus. If we had
0: to hide the fact that Jesus had 33 wives, that that... And what blows my mind is this movie. And yeah, I did take it to a dark place. I did that on purpose because if you just watched this movie, you would think, you know, he's a little weird. I don't believe what he says, but he wasn't that bad of a guy. He just had a bad rap. This dude was terrible. Yeah. And he's going from town to town. And these wicked people in Ohio and these wicked people in Missouri are just kicking him out. We're talking about the 1800s. And the man's walking around with 33 wives. There is not a morality, or or no town is going to morally look at that and go, yeah, we're okay with this.
2: I wonder if they justify that, or if they say, well, he was a man like any man, like any prophet. He had his sins, and he wasn't perfect. Because I guess I've been kind of working under the assumption that they think he's like this perfect guy, but... Maybe they don't believe that. Maybe they but, do think that some of the stuff he did was crappy.
0: But if that was the case, then they would be honest with it.
2: Yeah, you should be.
0: Like, you know, the Bible doesn't skip around the fact that Paul persecuted, murdered, and arrested Christians. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't shy away from the fact that Peter made bad decisions or that he denied Christ at the end. It doesn't uh, uh, shy away from the fact that David, one of the greatest kings, one of the greatest heroes of the Bible, murdered a woman's husband and then committed adultery with her, impregnating her, and then murdered a man's husband to try to cover it up. The point is, yes, everybody's crappy, and if that was the case, like, yeah, he was just human, he made mistakes, then own up to it. Don't make it seem... Yeah, because... The worst thing all the... is, is that they if they didn't put this scene in here of him going around going, you gotta respect your wives... I wouldn't have, you know, whatever. They didn't, I mean, I get it. Can you imagine how long the runtime would be if they had to mention all 33 wives? I get it. <laughs> but
2: don't pr- have him preach like he was this great family man. Yeah, and I mean, he's, he's very much presented as having this monogamous, devoted relationship with his first wife, and that's clearly not the case. I can't imagine being a husband... And
0: having some dude come up to me and going, "Hey, I want to marry my wa- marry your wife with you."
2: What? I mean, apparently they were all brainwashed anyway.
0: I mean, that's it's just gross. But don't worry, the story has a happy ending. Eventually, they <laughs> <It's> terrible. <laughs> Eventually, they built a temple in Nauvoo, and around that time, once it was finished, uh, Missouri demanded that. Illinois extradite Joe and Hiram to stand trial. and The Illinois authorities arrested Joseph, but the Mormons were able to rescue him. And eventually, the governor of Missouri sent an ultimatum. Joe and Hiram come and stand trial, or the Missouri militia would attack Nauvoo. Now, you know, Joe is, is such a selfless and righteous man. So, of course, he didn't want his town to be attacked. And so he agrees. To, to go and stand trial. Joe makes his round before leaving. He tells Brigham Young to take the take up the leadership and lead the Mormons to the Rocky Mountains. He preaches a few goodbye sermons. He hugs his kids. And then takes a real long five-minute horse ride out of town so everyone can stare at him and be sad. Then in 1944, Joe and Hiram arrive in Carthage, Illinois and surrender themselves into the custody of the authorities there to face charges. They were totally innocent, besides polygamy and terroristic threats.
2: Totally innocent. And wi- wire fraud or bank fraud. I think he was also, there's a warrant out for that because he wouldn't pay his bills from the projects that they had undertaken. Yeah.
0: I mean, the man was a saint. And the Smiths were just treated horribly. And an angry mob with horrible aim and an inability <laughs> to open a door for such a very long time. Shot and killed well, Joseph and Hiram on June 27th, 1844. He was holding that door with his superhuman
2: strength for a second.
0: Right, but then he went and checked on his brother who just got popped in the jaw.
2: And yeah. still, they were like, oh, we're going to get this door open. Nobody's behind <laughs> it, but it's
0: going to be hard. I know, let's shoot at the room 470,000 times before Joseph actually gets hit. And in the end, Joe's mom and the story's narrator is standing in front of all the Nauvoo people at their temple. And she's like, hey guys, y'all need to go west with Brigham. And then she looks straight down the barrel of the camera. Makes me real uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) She looks straight down the barrel of the camera and says, all that I've told you is true and will stand forever.
2: Hope not. I didn't realize that he never went out west to, like, Utah. I didn't realize that that was only Brigham.
0: And then we read in 1846 that Brigham Young led the first 70,000 pioneers westward after a 1,300-mile journey. They found a permanent home in the Rocky Mountains. The Church of Jesus Christ was founded in 1830 and now... Is a global faith. That's depressing.
2: Yeah, it is. Yes, it is.
0: I mean, but at the same time. I mean, it's kinda cool that there's at least one religion in this world that's less than two hundred years old and it's totally American. <laughs> I don't know.
2: So this fourth of July I don't think they would agree with you.
0: So this Fourth of July, when you see those fireworks going off, remember the one true American religion. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I can't I can't. <laughs> I'm so depressed now. I kind of am too. I'm uh, I'm gonna try well, let's just try our simplified
2: our simplified scale. The rotten All right. or righteous scale. What'd you give this Luke? This is a hard one to simplify down because I feel like uh, obviously it's like a propaganda piece for something I don't agree with. But uh, if I had to give it like, I'm going to give it a rotten score. Mm -hmm. But if we had like the the evaluation of whether or not you should watch it, I kind of think there's some value in watching it just to see kind of what is being taught out there about this guy. But then at the same time, I think I'd encourage everyone to go look at like the opposite side of the spectrum as well to people that are that will reveal a little bit more of the total story about who this guy was and and what he taught and what he lived, and uh, so I'm yeah I'm gonna give it a rotten though.
0: Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm gonna give it an or. Right, I'm not certainly not calling it righteous, but at the same time I don't think it hurts anything you know i I think if you go into it with an open mind and you're truly watching this with an open mind, this movie does a great job at showing you uh the ridiculousness in the Mormon church that even even whitewashed it's still it's still contradictory it still shows you the abject silliness of Joseph Smith he was a mentally handicapped sexual predator. <laughs> and even when they try to 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 make him appear in the best light they can't do it without contradicting themselves and it's really entertaining if you know the truth
2: <laughs> i didn't i didn't know that he he so his this guy in this podcast was talking about like his end game so he was running for president And his goal was, like, set up a theocracy where he would basically be the head forever of Mm. the United States. This guy was talking about how, like, he didn't die at kind of the climax of what he wanted to be as a religious leader. Like, it was only the beginning. And he was, like, talking about how, you know, in some sense it's almost like God was, like, enough of this nonsense. I'm not going to allow this to happen. And had him killed before he was able to accomplish a lot of that stuff. Because he was still he was still relatively young when he died, I think.
0: He was too old to be marrying fourteen year olds. Um (laughs) Yeah. So that's gonna do it for Rotten Righteous. He is thirty nine. I mean that's like eighty two in nineteen forty
2: years though. Under spouse it says Fanny Young, and then it just has this link that says more <laughs> read more information,
0: yeah, there's an entire Wikipedia page dedicated to the list of his wives,
2: oh yeah, I just found it,
0: yeah read nice. i I didn't want to get into it too much because it would take too much time but but read some of those on the far side, some of the uh some of the added information
2: some of his wives are kind of old fifty eight <laughs> gross listen.
0: He liked him young. He
2: liked him old. Well, I guess if you got forty, you might as well have a variety. Wait, this one says seventy-eight. For rotten or righteous, I'm Zach geyler I don't, I don't really think I want to be Joseph Smith anymore. I wouldn't. I really wouldn't. I'll be, I'll be bring him young. I don't want to be him either. <laughs> I'm, I'm Monsignor Mutton chops for today. I'm mm-hmm. preaching that good old sweet gospel.
1: Mm-mm.
0: he's luke taylor (laughs) but before we go hey luke yes yes and i saw what you want about the mormons but i bet you they know the best knock knock jokes do they if anyone does (laughs) i mean they are expert at knocking
2: it's true they'll be at your door later today i hope after you release this podcast And they all convert you.
0: (laughs) Message after message from God. Almost like he was changing their doctrine to suit his particular desire, want, or just anything. Just like Muhammad. Right! You know what Islam?
2: Hey uh, Luke, Luke. I'm not afraid.
0: I'm not afraid of the Mormons, but I am terrified of Islamists. Oh come on! No, no, no. We will, we will never treat, we will never treat the Muslim religion like we treat Mormons. Never on podcast with Scott. That's fine. You guys, you guys could call it, (laughs) call it. Just give me a jihad with Scott and Luke. (laughs) 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 Jihad. You heard about this? Um... <laughs> the Hasselakalakem podcast with Scott Judge. Jo- <laughs> <laughs> Can I get a...
2: <laughs> Is that the sound they make before they jihad people? Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: Thank you.